You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, we uh, just finished up a week of the Combine. I know we talked about it a little bit last week. How much of the Combine did you actually get a chance to watch? Uh, Whatever was posted on Twitter, (laughs) the highlights, (laughs) the fast guys, the strong guys. Um, I don't know. I used uh, used to be really into the Combine trying to figure out who the good athletes are and yep. you know maybe some guys that kind of stick out and there were a couple guys this year there always are but um no i mean i just kind of you know dabbled along and through the internet and kind of picked up oh you know that's impressive time for this guy or hey wow this guy you know thought he was going to be a little better athlete those kind of things but um look i think uh, overall the combine for most guys probably doesn't change a lot you know, there's a couple guys that probably did really, really well, and maybe they bump up, you know, the small school guys from maybe third, fourth round to maybe sneaking into the second. Um, but when you talk about the top guys in the draft, uh, you know, the Ada Hutchinson, the Kayvon Thibodeaux, um, you know, some of the wide receivers that ran, I don't think any of them really impacted their status too much. Um, there was a couple guys that mm, maybe hurt their draft stat, draft stock. But look, when it all comes down to it, I know we hit on it last week, was uh, teams this time of year, right, you go back and you reshuffle the draft board based off what you just saw at the Combine. But you have to be careful because the most important thing is still the film. Yeah. There's a guy that ran, uh, you know, a 4-2-2-40. You go back and you're thinking, hey, man, look at this yeah. corner, man. He's a freak. And you go back and watch the film and – you know, he plays slow, and it's like, okay, you got to be careful. So, um, but no, I think, uh, you know, the NFL has done a pretty good job making the combine more interesting. Um, seeing fans in the stands is kind of different, gives the players a new dynamic, a little bit more uh, maybe energy or, uh, you know, anything that helps them out. But no, I think, uh, look, there was, there's, I don't think there was anything that came out of the weekend that we really have to talk about saying, wow. I think the Lions really got to look at number two this way, right? right? I don't think any of, the, any of that really changed. One of the things that came out of it, and I, I'm I'm still trying to decipher how much I feel like it made an impact, and it was Kayvon Thibodeau and is the fact that he pulled out early, because uh, when in doubt, pull out, um, of the draft because it was a long day. 
did you did you take anything away from that, or was it just eh, whatever? Because the the, the question on yeah. him is, does he really love the game of football? And you don't have to love the game of football to be a really good football player, right? It certainly helps because there's moments where it's going to be uncomfortable, especially if he's going to be drafted in Detroit. We know things don't always go according to plan here. If 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 that's his mindset, like the day is just simply too long, I'm not going to go anymore. Does it concern you? Not really. I mean, you got to take a step back, too, and look at it from a different lens. I mean, obviously, we're very biased when it comes to Detroit and Michigan. We obviously, Aiden Hutchinson, um, you know, I think on the outside looking in, you're saying, hey, you know, he did what he had to do. He ran, showed some speed, and okay, right, finish whatever you have to do at the pro day. Um, I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, I thought that I wanted to see – him compete a little bit more just so we could get more measurables on maybe the differences between him and Aiden. Um, that was the one thing I was disappointed in because Aiden, look, everybody, you know, people are saying, uh, you know, Thibodeau smoked Aiden Hutchinson in the 40, right? But they had pretty similar 10-yard splits, which is probably the most important thing for a defensive end. I don't care yep. how fast they run 40. I want to see how fast they can get, you know, eight, nine yards up the field, turn a corner, and get to the quarterback. Um, but Aiden lit it up in every other uh, category. The short shuttle, uh, the three-cone, his jumps were impressive. I wanted to see how Thibodeau was going to measure up to that because for me, whether it's offensive, defensive lineman, I put more stock into the short, uh, the shuttles, the 10-yard sprints, seeing how quick guys can move in a box, right? Because that's Change just that's real football. That's yeah. real football. The offensive lineman, who cares how fast you're on a 40? Um, it's about how quick you are, how explosive you are. So same thing goes for defensive linemen. I was disappointed that I didn't get to see Thibodeau run the three-cone or run the short shuttle or do the vertical or do the broad jump, any of those, because we all want more measurables because right now it's still nobody really knows what NFL teams are thinking when it comes down to uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson. Nobody knows if there's a clear cut number one guy. So the more measurables you can get to compare the two, maybe one will start separating themselves. But unfortunately, we didn't get to see that. The only thing we did was I think Thibodeau ran mid four five forty, and, and Aiden was in the four seven range. Uh, Big deal? No. I mean, not not in my opinion, because like we talked about the 10, and obviously what he did in the shuttle and the three-cone shows quickness and explosion, and those are things that, that are going to relate. But no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a huge deal that he uh, didn't want to finish. I mean, I know the combine, look, the days are long. I know the NFL took some heat this year because, you know, a week before the combine, they tried to say you only allowed one person with you, right? right? And a lot of these guys, you travel with a nutritionist. You travel with a, uh, maybe a stretch coach. You travel with uh, a guy that's going to get you ready to go. You travel How with did the chi- we ever survive? I, you know what? You travel with a guy that's a chiropractor. You got your massage therapist. And and if something goes wrong in that equation, it's like, okay, mentally, you're like, I don't want to do that. And now the NFL kind of backed down because they took a lot of heat. But still, you know, combined, with, we hit on it last week. I mean, it's stressful. It's painful for a lot of these guys early mornings, late nights and um the good part is, now if he does the same thing at pro day i think there'll be a little bit more concern if he comes out and says you know i'm not doing anything i'll just talk to the teams whatever i, I think you'll have to maybe not raise the red flag but you'll have to be a little bit more concerned with how bad does this guy want it <laughs> you know what i mean if you're vying to be a number one pick uh and you're not the clear-cut favorite to be the number one pick i, I think you, you, the smart thing would do to would, would be to do everything he can right yeah. to help yourself out so i think well uh, if it comes down to the pro day and he does the same thing i think there will be probably a little bit more concern 
the one guy that everybody is talking about. Um, and there was really nothing that you could, you know, point at to say this guy, eh, maybe if he had a better four, you know, three cone drill or short shuttle or 40, Jordan Davis, 341 pounds running a 4.78. Now that's straight line speed. And he obviously shows you could do, like you said, if you see a defensive tackle running any more than 20 yards, Something has gone <laughs> extremely wrong. Yeah. Unless it's a scoop and score. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Got to yes, outrun yes, some old linemen. Yes, <laughs> once every three years. For a guy of his size, and then you watch him in all those other drills, and the fact that he he could change directions, he looked smooth, looked good. Is he the guy that you really kind of feel like maybe helped himself the most? Not yeah. that – I mean, he probably went from – Mid first round to early teens, maybe late in the in the in the top ten. Yeah, I think uh, you know if the Lions draft as many Georgia defensive players they can, <laughs> it would be <laughs> impressive, right? Because yeah. not only Jordan Davis but Devontae Wyatt, the other D tackle, top two, uh, you know the top two forties for D tackles. Yeah. Uh, Trayvon Walker, defensive end, had a great combine. Um, yeah, Jordan Davis, I thought was super impressive, right? Moving at that weight. Yeah, that's you know that size and to be able to, you know, the explosion that the explosion that he showed, um, you know, even on the vertical. I, I I think look, he definitely helped himself, um, but I don't know if that generally think okay, he shouldn't be maybe number one pick, right? I, but but when you look at the film, nothing really changed for me when it came to. Uh, it just kind of reinforced what your belief in what kind of player he was. He's yeah. a beast on film, right? I, I don't care if he would have ran a five six forty. I still would have said, turn on the film. The guy's right. an absolute monster. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was super impressive. But at the same time, it, it's I, I think he did help himself because the film backs it up. And that's the most important thing for a lot of these players. Uh, go test out of the gym. Uh, hey, this guy's a gym rat. He's a gym hero, superstar. Uh, turn on the film, it doesn't match up. Hey, you got questions, but Jordan Davis's film matches up. I mean, there's plays, even in the playoff game against Michigan, against Alabama, you know, he's getting double teams and he's still reaching over, tackling the running back while two guys are both. Right, that's impressive. That usually translates to the NFL. So he's the one guy that I would say, um, you know, Pre-combine, there was a lot of talk with the number two pick, and most of that was focused on edge rusher being Thibodeau. Hutchinson was the main, um, you know, argument, uh, debate going on with Jordan Davis. Did he bump himself up into that talk? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be a three-down, game-changing type player in the NFL. Um, But you know what? He definitely helped himself, and I I guarantee you that – uh, you know, teams picking at number six or number seven, uh, you had him on the big board at maybe 14, 15, might have moved up a little bit. I just don't know if it was enough to really move him up to two, and I'm not sure how Detroit Lions fans would feel about it. If your draft was right now, today, I think people would be pumped about it because he just had an impressive combine. But is he going to be the game-changing three-down type of player that you need as a defensive tackle in this system? I, not sure, right? And And if you're not sure kind of hard to take a chance on a guy that high. Well, it is. Um, and so I want to transition because the next two topics that I want to talk about, uh, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, and I'm going to, I want to ask you in just a few minutes of as if the draft were today, who would you take at two, 
32 and 34. The Lions' first three picks, which, you know, who knows if they stay there. We don't know what's going to happen because the first variable in place is going to be free agency. Later today, uh, which is Tuesday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday, is going to be, you know, we're going to know who all of the players are that are going to be franchise tagged. Dave Burkett just on Monday wrote an article about the fact that there is there is the thought that the Detroit Lions may be a player in the free agent market at the wide receiver position and and he had talked to one of the agents at the combine and this was this is taken directly out of his article he writes for the Detroit Free Press the agent for one of the top pending free agent receivers said the Lions indicated in a meeting last week they value this receiver in the same financial bar park as you know, as they expect his player to fetch in free agency. And multiple other sources view the Lions as legitimate contenders to sign one of the position's premier free agents. I guess the first question is, do you think the Lions should go that route in free agency and 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 find one of the or sign one of the premier wide receivers? Yeah, I do. I think it was pretty clear last year watching that. Uh, offense that they really, really desperately need a downfield threat. And with how impressive Amon Ross St. Brown was, um, he was much better in the short, intermediate, over-the-middle-of-field type guy that a lot of slot receivers are generally good at. Um, you know, Josh Reynolds, is he really your number one deep threat type guy? No. No? <laughs> right? So I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think you add... You add in a playmaker down the field. You add in a big target in the red zone type guy. That is really what this team was missing, right? Because that's where we saw a lot of the issues offensively, being able to pick up, you know, the third and longs, being able to execute in the red zone. I mean, there were so many games where, uh, you know, you're looking at the scoreboard and you're like, geez, they lost 17-14, but wow, they were over 5 in the red zone, right? Big big target's going to help you down there. And what else it's going to help you with is the other guys you already have. It's going to help Amon Ross St. Brown. It's going to help TJ Hawkinson develop, yeah. uh, get more one-on-one matchups on the inside instead of being double-teamed every big play, every third down <laughs> and, and every red zone play. So, um, yeah, I, I don't mind that. But it's going to be interesting to see who's available, right? Because we're already hearing, uh, you know, talks about Chris Godwin potentially being tagged you're always hearing about Devontae Adams probably going to be tagged I don't see Green Bay letting him walk um no matter what happens right which leads you to uh you know probably the biggest name out there uh Allen Robinson and Mike Williams Mike Williams who's a big you know he's a big time threat for for coming out of the Chargers um but with with Allen Robinson I think has been the one named that has been linked um to Detroit, obviously, for obvious reasons. He's from Detroit, grew up in Detroit, and, you know, there's questions, does he want to come back? Now, here's the problem, though. If there's only one big-time free agent on the market, there's obviously going to be 15 other teams in, that are going to in be there as well. His services, right. Exactly. Right. If there's four or five big-time free agents, um, you know, Lions probably got a chance to get one. But if there's only one, and let's let's say the leader, which is Allen Robinson, he's going to have choice between 10, 15 teams. Now, is he going to want to take 
uh, an offer to come to Detroit over a team that he feels maybe be re- more prepared, more ready to go compete and win a championship. I don't know, but you know, until the, until you start winning games and still you until you start turning it around, which where the Lions are heading, you're still going to have to overpay for these guys. So if you still want a chance to go get Allen Robinson, if you still want a chance to go get uh, Williams from from the Chargers, you're probably going to have to overpay because these guys. Let's be honest, it's real world probably not going to choose Detroit as their first option. So, um, but I hope they do. I hope they compete. Um, I, I hope they, they get a chance to at least get in the running to get one of those guys because obviously it could pay uh, pay huge dividends for, for what they're trying to do offensively. So and when you talk about a guy like Allen Robinson and Mike Williams, Mike Williams is going to be almost 28 by the time the season starts. Uh, Allen Robinson will be 29. How much would that play a factor in signing an Allen Robinson for that premier position? Now, chances are a receiver is going to sign, what, a four-year contract? Yeah. Most likely. So between the ages of 29 and 33, are you still going to get the production out of that player, not just in terms of, hey, game in, game out, what can he offer you, but also in terms of how many games will he be available over the course of 17 games and, and hopefully in the postseason due to injury. Well, I hope you would. Um, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, you'd like to take an older guy and sign him for, uh, you know, one or two years to see if they can still do it. But let's just be honest, it's not going to happen, right? These players aren't going to sign. Well, no, they're not going to sign. But, but, not gonna but do uh, that. would you offer Allen Robinson a four-year contract knowing that before the season he starts, he's going to be 29? Yeah, I would. I would. I, I still think that that is not the – age barrier to say okay this guy's getting up there because he was still productive and even last year with the rookie quarterback Justin Fields who he didn't get a lot of he didn't get as many targets last year didn't get as many receptions uh, didn't have as many touchdowns as he as he once had you know two three years ago Um, but he's still a damn fine player still a very very productive player he's still a number one receiver uh, in the NFL uh, on any given team so uh, but yeah I wouldn't have any hesitation with you know with him um, 29, I think he's coming off, what, his seventh year yeah. in the NFL? So that's still not, uh, in my mind, you know, a ton of wear and tear, a ton of, you know, issues, a ton of red flags that are being ho- hoisted up upon him. I, I think that um, I think that all fans alike would be thrilled if we were able to get Allen Robinson. Now you talk about seven-year deal, okay, maybe, maybe pump the brakes a little bit, <laughs> yeah. right? But if you could get a four-year deal, and, and looking at my favorite uh, website, SpotTrack, uh, you know, they do a good job with the free agents and trying to predict you know, market value, what teams are going to be offering. And right now they have Allen Robinson at about 16 and a half uh, per year. Yeah. Um, so that would look like four years, you know, 65, 66 million ish range. That's probably going to be low only because when you talk about Godwin and Devonte Adams coming off the market, now that's just, that's going to raise Allen Robinson's price tag because somebody's going to have to, somebody really needs a number one receiver. That's going to do anything possible to get him. So, um, that's probably going to be actually, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer to the $20 million range. Um, but another guy too, I mean Amari Cooper, right? You're hearing words about him, uh, you know, potentially being, released, being in re- released in Dallas, being a cap casualty, and what kind of market is he going to attract? Right? Um, the more the merrier. The more wide receivers that are out yeah. there, the better the Lions' uh, chances are of getting one of those guys. Uh, I would personally, if it was between the two, um, 
geez, I don't know. I mean, that's pretty tight, right? <laughs> Amari Cooper and, and Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson has just been... He's proven to be more durable. Yeah, he definitely. And that, that's when you talk about getting up there in age, I think that factor alone probably goes a little bit longer. But it'll be interesting. I really hope that they're they're uh they're seriously interested i hope they're they really turn into players and trying to uh trying to attract some free agents here now there is another player that is it's a little bit further down the list in terms of a premier wide receiver but it offers something that the lions don't have at least in one skill set and that's speed christian kirk uh for the arizona cardinals is going to hit the free agent market at least it sounds like he is but he is, in in my estimation, very much like Amon Ross St. Brown, right? He's a slot receiver. He does have more speed than Amon Ra. And so if you go that route, the reason I like either, you know, obviously DeMonte Adams, Chris Godwin is experience, production, size, but Mike Williams also falls into that category. Allen Robinson falls into that category. As soon as you start getting off of that top four or five guys that are in the this you know right now in the in the in the free agent market for this wide receiver class you start getting into very specialized talent and Christian Kirk is a guy that is he's a burner and he can get downfield he's a little bit younger than those players but he doesn't give you that big target that I think the Lions need yeah and I don't know if I would really put all my chips in that basket um especially when you look at the talent that's coming out in the draft Right. Um, if you can get a number one guy to go along with Amon Ross St. Brown and maybe pick up another guy in the draft, that would be amazing. But if you're going to try to go get Christian Kirk, the same type player that you just mentioned, Amon Ross St. Brown, you're going to really going to pair that with another rookie. I mean, that's just it. It doesn't. It's going to take a, t- a while for that to mesh. Yeah. Um, and Christian Kirk, look, he's a fine player, like you said. I mean, he he made some some really good plays, especially this past year, over 900 yards, five touchdowns uh, for Arizona. I would just be – I'd still be a little hesitant, you know, with yeah. the Arizona guys just because of the type of air, offense air raid run. offense that they run. and, and Those you know, stats throw, might be a little inflated. They might be a little inflated, and I don't know how that really translates to other, you know, really pro-style offenses in the NFL. Um, is he going to be a guy that you can just line up – you know, in 21 personnel and go deep and go beat somebody. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But he also benefited last year from playing with DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green, <laughs> I think, yeah. uh, obviously. But I, w- I would be a little bit hesitant there, at least throwing big money at a guy like that because you don't know how those Arizona receivers are going to translate to other NFL teams. Um, so I think for me it's either, uh, you know, try to get – and Allen Robinson try to get a Williams uh, number one guy. If you miss out on that, I, I think you really have to take a look at um, maybe not at number two, but packaging a deal 32-34 to try to move up to get one of those top college guys, whether being the Ohio State guys, Garrett Wilson, Olave, Traylon Burks. Maybe if Drake London falls to the 15-ish range, you try to move up and get a guy like that yeah. um, if you miss out on one of those top receivers in free agency. So – if they, depending on what they do in free agency, um, as with any NFL team, will somewhat determine what they do with their draft picks. Now, the Lions are going to have, as it stands right now, number two, number 32, and number 34. They're going to have three picks in the top 34. Who are your guys that you would think would make for a great Lions draft at those three spots? 
Well, number two, I'm starting to grow. And I, look, I don't know if Aiden Hutchinson's going to get past one in Jacksonville. Right. Um, but if he did, I, I think I would run to turn that pick in. I, I think I would. I think just uh, it's just watching him play, listening to the workouts. And look, we're obviously biased. We mentioned the top of the show, but I think he would be a, a big time game changer for that defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would. I, I would. I wouldn't hesitate to take him at number two. Now, the only way I would hesitate if you know somebody calls and hey, the Jets want to give you four and ten. Right. Move up. Okay, <laughs> we got to talk about that. Um, you know, if somebody else wants to bump up and maybe you, you can still stay in the top eight, top ten, pick up another first round pick, whatever it is, um, I'm I would definitely be open to trading uh, in this draft. Yeah, just with the amount of talent there is, especially in the top twenty, you're still going to get. If you have two of those picks, you're still going to get really good players. Uh, but no, I think. Uh, look, I would love to see Hutchinson in Detroit. I would. Just the, the, watching the explosion that he had put on display at the Combine, watching the short shuttle, watching the three-cone, watching the way he was able to bend at six foot seven, you know, 270 uh, was impressive. Um, everybody wants to talk about the arm length. Um, Not concerned about it? No, I mean, <laughs> look, I played against plenty of dudes with short arms yes. that drove my ass right into the quarterback. All right? so, as long as you have the speed, as long as you have the power, uh, you know, to back it up, you can overcome those deficiencies fairly easy um so um that would be my probably top choice at number two barring a trade um but then when you go down to 32 34 um look i think you know how much is the combine going to affect a guy like traylon burks who uh, has good size at 6'2 220 but uh you know ran a 455 which is pretty yeah, average, average to below yeah. average for a receiver. Uh, but you take a look at his tape, and the guy's still an absolute stud. Um, how much does the combine really affect him? Is he going to be a guy that can drop down? Is is, is there going to be some crazy run on, you know, offensive linemen or, um, you know, does a re- the, the receiver rushers or, yeah. or, or something like that that now is going to maybe bump down a guy like Chris Olave, bump down a guy like Garrett Wilson? I, I doubt they get to 32, but you never know. Every single year you're looking at, you know, 25 through 28, and there's always a couple picks like, whoa, this guy's like, a, he'd be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whoa, who's this guy, you know? Um, but look, I, I think if it starts, the, the Lions are in a really good spot because let's say you take, you know, Aiden Hutchinson at two. Okay, you don't need, I wouldn't be surprised if they take another edge rusher at some point in the draft, but talking about the top 34, you don't need another edge rusher. You don't need any offensive linemen. Yeah. I highly doubt they're going to take a quarterback. Um, those are three of the premier positions that come off the board so fast in the first round. Now, if there's a run on offensive tackles, if there's a run on, pff, let's say somebody picks Kenny Pickett at 10, other teams are jumping up because they need Malik Willis. They need Sam Howell. You never really know if there's yeah. a run on those guys. If there's a run on all these edge rushers, right? Johnson from Florida State, Boy Mafi from uh, Minnesota. So if there's a run on those guys, what's that doing? The best part about that is now guys are bumping down to 32. Guys are bumping down to 34. Now, I know everybody wants to say that N'Kobe Dean probably won't be there at 32. Did anybody think, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name, but the guy who dropped to the second round last year, linebacker from Notre Dame that went to Cleveland. Anybody oh, yeah. think he was going to drop? Kamara. Jeez, oh, peas. Yeah, Wusa Kumar. Yeah. Did anybody think he was going to drop? No. People told you you were crazy if that guy, you, you could tell you could get that guy in the second round. 
Could Nicobe Dean be that type of guy? I don't know. I mean, he's a little bit undersized, right? When you look at the two twenty five weight, um, he could be a he could be a guy that could drop down to you at thirty two, thirty four. But honestly, what I would love to see is a trade. Whether it is my dream scenario would either be a trade from two back to maybe the top 10, maybe the Jets just want to go crazy, give you 410, and maybe you have to kick in an extra third rounder. Who knows? Um, Or I would love to see a package with 32, 34. To move up. Move back up into, you know, top 20, top 15-ish. If uh, if a guy like Drake London falls, if a guy, um, so which the, probably won't happen, Kyle Hamilton somehow falls. Even if a guy like Jordan Davis, you know, is sitting there at fourteen, fifteen, I, I think you'd really have to consider packaging those two picks, or maybe even packaging, you know, a thirty-four and using the Rams pick that you have next year to go back. I just think there's that many guys in the top twenty of this draft, maybe the top twenty-two in this draft that can be game changers for you. If you can get two of those, man, I think that's just a dream scenario. So the trade value chart that everybody references says that if you package 32 and 34, you can go as high as 13. <sighs> if there's I, I a guy that, that drops at 13 or 14, yeah, I mean, I do it in an absolute heartbeat. If, if, if Drake London sitting there, you know, at 13, 14, you think Lions fans would have a, a, an issue giving up 32-34 to go get him? No. I don't. Now, obviously, depending on what happens in free agency. A guy like Jordan Phillips drops, uh, you know, that far. Right? I don't think I would, or, or Jordan Davis. Sorry, not Jordan yeah. Phillips. Jordan Davis. Uh, I, don't, I don't think fans would have an issue with that. Um, and well, if, come things, a, if you come away happen. with the first round with Aiden Hutchinson and Jordan Davis, I think Lions fans would be elated. I absolutely agree with you. Now, that's just what – it's kind of a perfect scenario for me um, just to see them – how aggressive they're going to be, how aggressive uh, they're going to move up, how aggressive they're going to move around. And even, you know, you take a look at mock drafts, and I know every single one's different, but depending on which ones you look at, I mean, you know, Derek Stingley sitting there at 10 – uh, Kyle Hamilton sitting there at twelve, right? Probably Stingley unrealistic. Is, is very curious because he's been so hurt. Right, like his rookie yeah. or his freshman year, freshman year, yeah, was really good. Yeah. And and you watch practice film of him against Jamar Chase, and it looks really good. Except he hasn't really been on the field since then. Yeah. Now I, I just I think a perfect world, man. I would love to see them. I would love to see him be aggressive, whether that's number two and picking up a couple more um, or whether that's packaging a 32-34, moving back into the top 15 and grabbing another premier player, I, I think would uh, – Okay. I, so, I think fans would be elated with that. I'm going to go back to my initial question. No trades. Two, oh. 32, and 34. I'll give you mine real quick. And and I think you were looking at my page uh, when, I, when I was going to go with uh, Aiden Hutchinson at two. 32 Traylon Burks because I do think there's a chance he could fall to you at 32. If you don't take if he's available and you're going to take a receiver, you don't take him. I think that would be a crime. And then at 34, I'm going to go linebacker out of Wisconsin, Leo Chanel, who I think is he's got decent speed. He's more of a he's going to be an inside linebacker that can make some some terrific plays uh, in the run game. Um, it has enough athletic ability to cover some tight ends and stuff out of the backfield, uh, running backs out of the backfield. But I think getting him at 34 plus, he's he's a, he's a Wisconsin guy. He's durable. Uh, he, you know, you could you could tell that he works at the game of football the way that he's progressed over the course of his career. I think he's a 
he's a really good linebacker that you could get. So that's my three is Hutch, Burks, and Chanel. Yeah, well, we agree on Hutch, and we agree on Burks, too. If yeah. he's sitting there at 32, I think you run and, yeah. and make that pick. Um, at 34, look, I I don't know if it's going to happen if N'Kobe Dean drops that fall. We've seen it happen before, though. That's the yeah. only reason why you can't completely shut it out. Um, but 34, you know, you take a look at linebackers. Christian Harris, Alabama, was a guy who um, showed tremendous speed, uh, not only playing in Alabama, but also – um, what he did at the combine was impressive as well. Um, so, geez, it, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I don't think that Nicobe Dean's going to drop to 34. Um, but I will say, I will say Christian Harris at 34, and okay. I would say Traylon Burks at 32. Or if if Nicobe Dean drops to 32, and him and Traylon Burks are both sitting there, yeah, I would take both the, of them. I would take the the chance on. On taking Nakobe Dean at 32 and then Traylon Burks at 34. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, yeah. you've only got to risk one team. And, you know, there could be a trade. you gotta, you got to worry about all of them. But, you know, to wait two picks, I'd be okay with that as well. Yeah. The, the the linebackers that I think – I don't think Nakobe Dean makes it. Christian Harris, I, honestly, I'm not sure that he makes it to 32 or 34 either. Devin Lloyd, the, the linebacker out of uh, uh, Utah. Yeah. I would love to get an opportunity to get him, but I think all three of those guys are going to be off the board. That's why I went with, in terms of my rankings, next in line would be Leo Chanel. How about Boye Mafi? Would you be totally? Would you be against them picking an ad rusher at two and at thirty four? I, I know he's a I, guy who, I mean, he lit it up at uh, the Senior Bowl, uh, what a month ago. Yeah, um, you know, he's been a guy that uh, big size. You know, six five, two seventy. Runs really well, explosive athlete. I I don't know if I don't know if I would be totally against them taking another edge rusher. Going into <laughs> the season, I had a I had very high hopes to see more out of him during the regular season. Uh, well, at Minnesota, I didn't see the production. I didn't see him strike fear into opposing tackles, and that's the only reason why I say you know what I, I'd be fine. With taking two edge guys, I just don't know that I want to take him at 32. That's that's my only hang-up. It, it, it remains to be seen what the Lions do in free agency, um, who's going to be available, and we'll know that as of 4 o'clock on Tuesday in terms of the wide receivers. Uh, and, TJ, uh, something happened yesterday that we kind of all knew was going to happen at some point, but... Didn't really know, you know, when or who or how or what the penalty was going to be, uh, but Calvin Ridley was caught betting on NFL games, um, and one of the games he he had a parlay. One of them was an Atlanta game. He's obviously employed by the Atlanta Falcons. He did bet on them to win, but he received a one-year suspension. What at a minimum one year. Um, your thoughts on Calvin Ridley gambling in the NFL and the suspension? Well, first of all, it's stupid of him to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you obviously know the rules. Every single year, training camp, you sit through these two, three-hour meetings about yes. what you can and what you can't do. One of the big topics is gambling. Can't go into casinos, can't wager, can't go to Vegas and do this. Now, this was obviously before sports betting was legal. I'm sure it's even more of an emphasis now with these players now that they have access right to their phone. Yep. Um, 
But look, it's stupid. I mean, you know you can't do it. Um, do I think it's some heinous crime? No, I don't. If he was betting on his team to lose, um, that's obviously a different story. <laughs> but when you're betting on, first of all, he wasn't even playing, right? So I think it was after he had already walked away for the mental issues. Mental health issues, having. yeah. He only played five um, games. This happened, I believe they said, he walked away sometime in October. This happened yeah, sometime in November. Right, so... He was obviously away from the team, away from uh, the facility. Um, you know, betting on your team to win. I mean, it's forgivable, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. it's it's kind of the Pete Rose uh, issue where, hey, you know, yeah, he was a de- degenerate gambler gambling on games, but he was always betting on his team to win. Like, yeah. look, that, that's obviously, that hits a little different than trying to throw games and betting on your team to lose. Like, what was, you know, what... UNLV basketball back in the day with all the issues that they have, whatever. I think it was UNLV. I don't know. Hopefully I got that right. Allegedly, I know there was a documentary on it, but um, college basketball, the kids were blowing games, right? That's totally different. But look, I I think the NFL obviously had to make a statement. Um, I was surprised that it was such a uh, big name guy. Yeah. You know, a guy that's making you know, what, $10, $11 million a year gambling $1,500. I mean, that's pretty silly. Um, yeah. Surprised it was such a high-level guy that was doing that. Um, you know, I figured, look, I'm not surprised that this is happening. I doubt he's the only guy doing it. But you kind of figured maybe it was kind of the, you know, bottom roster tier guys <laughs> maybe right. trying to trying to get a little bit extra cash. But, no, I think the NFL did. You know, I, I don't have any argument with, with the suspension. Um because you have, to, you have to send a message. You have to send a message. And no matter how you want to justify it, well, you know, it was only this amount, or, oh, he was betting on his team to win. It doesn't matter. Like, you're not allowed to do it. You know you're not allowed to do it. It, it is one of the – in the NFL and all of sports, in their minds, that is, like, the worst thing you can do as an athlete. Well, because uh, it goes to the integrity guys, of the game. Right. You see guys getting arrested for, you know, beating women. Okay, four-game suspension. You see guys right. doing all this stupid <laughs> Okay, we'll sit for two games. You bet on a sport, you know, a harmless bet on a sports year, right? You're gone. So, obviously, they take it very serious. And um, I don't have an issue with it, though, because as a player, you just, you, you, you know you can't do it. You know it's one of the biggest rules you can break. And there's no way you can really justify it. So, um I don't mind the I don't mind the suspension, but at the same time, if they when Calvin Ridley gets back into the league, I don't think there needs to be this uh, you know dark cloud over him and and questioning integrity and character or anything like those. He made a mistake; he's going to have to pay for it dearly now, um, giving up a lot of money. But uh, in my mind, it's forgivable because it's not as bad as trying to throw games. Right. I don't think he put the integrity of uh, you know the game in question. Um, I think, and I don't think he's the only one. I think there's probably, probably some players yesterday scrambling, deleting apps off their phones. <laughs> Not that news. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's at uh, least it's, changing their username. Yeah, right. Put it under your <laughs> wife's name. Right? Yeah, right. Be a little smarter. Uh, use the shell. Right. Always yeah. protect yourself. But no, I think uh, look, it is what it is, and uh, hopefully, uh, I know the NFL's uh, main goal was to. Uh, 
send a message, and I'm sure they did that. Well, for there's going to be a lot of things that happened this week. As we mentioned, uh, we'll probably have some clarity on Aaron Rodgers. The franchise tags, free agency is going to begin next week. At least uh, the legal tampering uh, time, I believe, begins on Monday. So we'll get a chance to con- cover all of that, give you our reaction, uh, give you some news that continues to happen right here on Necessary Roughness.